0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Deviant Mind. This is Dominica,
1: and this is Christopher.
0: And we are doing a case that actually Chris brought to my attention. I had never heard of it before. Uh, we're going back a little bit in time to 2009, and it is the case of Angela Simpson, and her murder victim was a. Man by the name of Neely Terry Neely,
1: Terry yeah Neely, Terry.
0: who was a paraplegic, um, and uh, lived in an assisted living facility.
1: At the time, uh, he lived in Arizona. Basically, everything here takes place in Arizona, and uh, he was uh, living in assisting in an assisted living home mm-hmm. uh, with other folks. So uh i in, in in my digging couldn't find that much about his background other than he was forty six mm-hmm. in two thousand and nine and yeah, in assisted living, they said he was always very excited uh to try out his electric wheelchair, so he would have basically an electric ride and he would go through town uh and he was pretty well known, like they would see him and he would wave, he was pretty popular, and then he would just go back to assist assisted living and 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 live there uh but again i i don't know what his profession had been or was uh other than he was paraplegic
0: so did you read because in my research i read that he could actually stand and walk but only for very short periods of time and that he might be learning disabled did you find that as well
1: i found that as well and in interviews with uh the murderer angela simpson she also claimed that he was able to get up, but that was all an act. I uh, see. Which is I pretty see. interesting. Uh, that is interesting. So, I mean, it, it could be he had a condition where he was able to switch on and off, perhaps through physical therapy. They were trying to make him a little more independent. Uh, I think maybe the goal was he keeps going in the neighborhood and makes stops to try and walk. But I did hear that, and I didn't, I, I didn't know what to make of it because uh, so I I felt I found more about him being wheelchair bound than being able to stand up. And it wasn't until Angela Simpson said that he could that I was like, oh, interesting, which kind of makes sense. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, He could be transporting himself from the standard old school use your hands wheelchair to the electric. He could be doing that quick transition, standing up by himself.
0: You know, right. Um, and then I did remember saying that people said that he was really friendly, but nobody actually really knew him in the assisted living center. And it almost didn't seem like, not that they, I don't want to say that they didn't care, but they didn't go out of their way to find out about him either.
1: Right. Apparently the night he goes for his uh, motor stroll on August 9th, uh, and was basically captured by Angela Simpson at the nursing home. The vibe was, huh, I wonder where he is. You know, it was like early evening. By the time it was later that evening, they were like, wow, where, where is he? You know? Right. Uh, right. So it definitely took them a while because they thought, you know, he's getting more independent. He's doing this thing. But yeah, there came a point where there was, you know, they started to get very nervous.
0: Now, did you, in your findings, um, find that he actually knew Angela Simpson before this faithful night and that, in fact, he was a client of hers?
1: Yes. Well, uh, I, you know, I couldn't put two and two together with regards to him being a client of hers, uh, although I did find that out. Uh, I didn't quite understand it, but I could see it uh, and yes, she lived a block away from the assisted living home. So, Mm uh, I felt that they did see, I, you know, from what I found, they did see one another and they, they did know one another actually. Um, she was involved in some, uh, shady stuff, including, uh, drugs and it seems, you know, as though she were perhaps living the gang life, like perhaps she was a, a gangster from uh, all accounts, she hung out with really seedy people and, and criminals. Uh, so who knows? Uh, that's that's what's really interesting is how, like, if he is dr- making his drives, and he makes a stop, and he sees Angela, is he asking for drugs? Is she supplying him? Uh, she basically lures him to her apartment by promising drugs and sex.
0: Right, and that I wonder if some of the articles I found is where the um because i only found it in a one or two where and maybe she was the one that said this but of course as it comes out she was a complete liar that Mm -hmm. he had been known to use drugs with her on multiple occasions and was one of her clients yeah um but and the fact that she lured him um to that apartment that night was because she said she would do it for free, and she mm-hmm. knew that that would get him to come up to the apartment with her. And she right. actually, from certain accounts, I don't know if you found this was that he actually left um the assisted living facility at eight pm specifically to go see her. So he hmm. wasn't just having like a nightly ride that right. he was they had an assignation
1: right. And then uh, later they find they do find his wheelchairs outside adjacent to the apartment complex yes so the question is did she help him up you know was there no way for him to gain access and therefore he could stand that was the other thing was like oh maybe he could maybe he could stand if he had a little help uh right. or maybe uh you know you lose the the wheelchair you know you have him in the apartment he doesn't need this anymore and then you get rid of it so there's yeah. just so many there are so many possibilities, but yeah, any way you look at it, it seems as though this this wasn't random. You know, I do believe that they had. I don't know what kind of relationship they had. Uh, Those sound nefarious, uh, and the fact that he was like, "Oh, sex, drugs, great. I'll, you know, I'll see you later. Right, right. You know, you're down the block from me. Assisted living won't mind. I'll be right back." Um, but yeah, and- you know. Her whole thing was, uh, which we'll get into, was that he was a snitch, mm-hmm. uh, uh, ac- according to her. But yeah, you know, not again, not much known about him other than him being a nice guy. People in the community seeing him and waving and people saw him. And, and yes, she lives a block away, so she also knows him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so she, uh, let's see... So, you know, it was interesting because when I was looking into this case, um they started talking about her and then actually went into what actually happened, which yeah. was that I guess um there was a burning fire, a burning fire that's a uh, kind of redundant, <laughs> a fire <laughs> in, a, in a in a garbage outside of a church yeah, and when the firefighters came and they found the charred remains of a male body inside of that trash can, and I don't know if you um, which was what I found interesting. and I don't know if we're going to want to go into the amount of torture that he um, sustained uh, on, you know, under the hands of Angela, but, one little interesting tidbit that I found that um, the body had been really burned beyond recognition and that um, this is a trigger warning. uh, The body was mutilated quite a bit and the legs were cut off and one of his arms had been attempted to be chopped off and he couldn't be um, identified through dental records because the teeth had been torn out of his mouth. But during the autopsy, the medical examiner noticed that even though the fingerprints were almost completely burned off, they were still kind of there. And so he pieced together fragments of the prints to finally get one entire print. And that's how they were able to identify the body as Terry Neely.
1: And as a backup, uh, when the cops search her home... Uh, under the carpet, there's blood. And Mm. they were also able to match the DNA from the blood, like any blood they can get from his body, they Mm. cared and it was him. So it was just like all the evidence was there.
0: Yeah. And do you know if he was reported missing by the assisted living facility?
1: As far as I know, no. Uh, uh, Not even from, again, I don't know if he has any family. I don't know if he has any really close friends, but... The place uh, where he resided, I don't believe they ever put out uh, a missing a missing person's report uh, or notified the. uh, For instance, this uh, fire uh, in the garbage can and dumpster is is really one of the only leads. They don't know that he's they don't know that this person's missing. I think it comes from people in the neighborhood. I don't think it comes from the assisted living place, but I may be wrong as far as I know it was just like leads coming out of left and right about them. And they're like, Oh, who's this guy? And then they just investigate, you know? Um, And do you
0: know how long she had him for
1: three days, three days of torture. And it it definitely, it's going to be hard to listen to, but I do think to show uh, one's ability in, in a particular state of mind or mental illness to commit such crazy things to someone. Uh, but to let you in on what I found out about her, not much information is known uh, about her either, other than uh, she was known for having a pretty bad childhood. Uh, we don't know what that means. Uh, abuse, neglect, we're not too sure. Uh, but I believe she disclosed that information in an interview. Uh, but just as four children and... She's she's very private and, uh, you know, protective of anyone knowing about her children. So in the interview she's given, uh, whenever it comes to, what about your children? You know, they're they're losing their mother with you, your life in jail. And she's just like, I can't go there. So we, we know very little about her background. We know very little about her family life. I found out she was born November 29th, 1975. Uh, I believe she might have been... 32 or 36 when she uh tortures and kills Neely. And again, he was 46. At 10 years old, uh, she was diagnosed with a mental illness and was consequently hospitalized.
0: Do we know what mental illness that was?
1: No. Okay. In uh, and w- and my information, it really wasn't specific, but it was uh and in her interview, it seems as as though it was really it was heavy enough that they needed definitely to give her around the clock support for yeah. mental, yeah, uh, well being. So, uh, what's interesting about this case is it it walks the fine line between uh, psychopath, uh, psychot, uh, psych, psycho, psych psychopathy, psychopathy, sorry, psychopathy. And uh just being antisocial, you know, a mm-hmm. sociopath. Uh it could be a mixture of both, but uh her crime is just very heinous and so convoluted. So off the bat, one of the reasons that she gives in an interviews and shares with everyone in jail was that she killed a snitch, mm-hmm. that uh that Neely was a snitch. Uh perhaps because he's dealing with her on the drugs. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, she could have gang involvement. Uh, and I say that just because of her attitude in her videos that I've, I've watched. Um, and she says uh, she's not worried about being in prison because she'll be with family. She has many sisters in there. So that could be another indicator. Like, you know, she rolled with gangbangers and, you know, she knows a lot of these people in, in jail, her sisters. Uh, but... I just I do find it very interesting that it's uh, there's a lot of similarities between her interviews and interviews with Eileen Warnos where there's basically no sympathy for those uh, murdered or, or killed by her uh, by Angela and um, no remorse and, and feels very justified and pushes everything back on society. You know, it's like, do you think you should have gotten the death penalty? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I was hoping I was going to get the death penalty. Isn't that how the system works? Right. Mm-hmm. I killed someone. You're going to kill me. So very like anti-authority. And uh, in jail, she draws pictures of, of cops dying and dead cops. Uh, very anti-police. And at one point she uh, explains in her killing again of this snitch and Neely mm-hmm. uh, that it was, you know, he was a white guy. You know, he was, he was after, after me, I'm um, black. And so then the question is like, is this, uh, does this involve any sort of, is this race? Uh, and she says, yes, she says it is about race. And then she's also asked about, uh, this unusual torture and act of violence from a female they're most, uh, she's asked, you know, you know, most of these serial killers, most killers are male. And she's like, well, you know, equal opportunity. You know, there right. ought to be more female killers like myself. So she's definitely of this mindset, which she fabricated later. Uh, it turns out he was net. he's not an informant. He was not a snitch. Uh, prior to this, three months prior to her killing Neely, she was in an armed robbery uh, with a fellow named Edward McFarlane, a.k.a. Cracker. Uh, right. They did an armed robbery together and uh accomplices in the robbery and uh apparently they were making threats to anyone who knew what had happened and i'm a little yeah
0: is that how they were caught or how did the police get onto her name in the
1: first place so yes they were well aware of this and i believe that they were both uh going to be on trial and it just like Mm -hmm. never happened i I believe like yes they knew about her being involved in the robbery no but uh, i
0: mean as far as how did they connect her with terry because i know i found something about a press release that told a story about what had happened to him and everybody in the neighborhood was really scared but like i didn't quite it was like maybe an informant but like
1: okay so yeah the connection is Angela, which actually goes to show that she did have a relationship, at least, and and knew Neely, uh, confesses to him what happened. So then uh, he knows. Confesses
0: to who? The informant or to Cracker?
1: uh, to, um, To Terry Neely. She's just like, you won't believe what just happened, like what I did. So then they got fearful, Cracker and Angela Simpson. Why'd you tell Neely? Why'd you tell Terry Neely? So apparently he oh, knew he on his life. I see. About the
0: about the actual, their armed robbery. Okay. Right. Okay.
1: And then meanwhile, it's their, uh, oh, so a witness calls, and it happens to be the building manager. And he says, you know, I think something's going on with my tenant. You know, there's this Angela Simpson and uh, uh, this guy she was with, Cracker, asked me if they could borrow my car. Uh, and uh, the same thing where they they th- they said, if you tell anyone, like, we'll kill you. So there was just, like, this whole trail of of threats, and it just kept everyone silent. So perhaps it just got this drug-fueled paranoia. Terry Neely knows too much. Right? I see. I see. Um, and uh, it was actually on August 18th they arrested Angela. Okay, so she's 33 years old at the time of killing uh, Terry Neely. Uh, Cracker's 36. And uh, the reason why Cracker plays a role in all this is aside from the armed robbery, he assisted Angela in the burning of Terry's body.
0: I see. And I some I saw some reports um, that he was actually Angela's pimp. Did you find anything about that?
1: No, but again, that makes sense. I mean, it is this weird underbelly. And if... She's offering sex to Terry uh, Neely on the last day of his life. And he's like, yeah, right on. I, 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 you know, I think that makes sense.
0: Which, by the way, have you, seen, have you seen a picture of Edward McFarland? He has uh, Cracker
1: yes
0: tattooed on his tattooed neck.
1: on his neck. Yeah. It's, Just it's, in case you forget.
0: <laughs> that his name is Cracker.
1: His name is Cracker. Cracker. It's on his neck. Uh, it would have been great if you put Ed McF- Edward McFarland across his neck.
0: All right. Oh my god. Like his actual birth name. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so basically it was uh it was this paranoia that happens and then it's on August second, two thousand nine. Uh, Terry goes for a roll. Sorry. But it's true. He, he's he's rolling around in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh and he just doesn't want to he just does he doesn't get back to assist a living. Uh they got concerned but then concerns later in the evening as I said uh actually they so they do start looking for him in the neighborhood okay so I think like this the assisted living people do go out they start looking around the neighborhood uh and it wasn't until two days later when witnesses found his wheelchair left outside the apartment building right, right. so the cops search the search the place they get access to their apartment the search apartment and that's where they discover uh they lift up this weird carpet and there's blood. There's like blood all over the floor. Um, and then the call comes in about the trash can of the church. Yeah. Um, and they
0: also, from another source, I said I found that they found uh, needle nose pliers and a gallon yes. of great value brand bleach and a whole, yes. as you said, a whole lot of blood.
1: So um, she takes them for two days. And the torture involves. First off, he watches it all. She sits him down in front of a mirror, right? So if he's physically impaired, he he just has like nowhere else to go, and he's sitting in front of the mirror, horrifying. Uh, Basically, beats him every you know for these across you know two days. Stabs him fifty times. He's -hmm. still alive, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, With the needle nose pliers. She's removing his teeth. Oh, God. She would later explain in an interview when asked why she would do that. She said, well, have you ever had tooth pain? Man, I had bad tooth pain one time and it hurt. So I felt he deserved that. Okay. Okay. She hammered a three inch nail into his brain. Oh my God. And he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still sitting in front of the mirror. And then ultimately she does him in on the third day or late night, second night uh, by strangling him with uh, a cable wire. Uh, and that was it. And then Cracker comes over and uh, they, do, they do, but, but you know, I got to say they found her very quickly, very quickly. And perhaps if this armed robbery didn't happen prior to all this, Terry would have maybe still been alive. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, no, there,
0: Was there, was there, did she ever give a reason of why she dismembered the body? Was it just Uh, for
1: disposal? It was for the disposal. I see. I think it was something that she, it just meant nothing to her. Uh, And so if interested and anyone listening, wants to see uh, what, what I mean about not being able to determine exactly from her behavior, if she's, a psychopath or just a sociopath uh the interviews are fascinating she, her, she never blinks her eyes are very wide she again just no remorse whatsoever and he deserved it and he was a snitch you know basically this you know the idea that you know snitches get sni- uh, snitches get th- uh stitches they wind up in ditches right Right. And that's that's what leads me to believe like this is gang related. This is like this weird, you know, she's probably, yeah, being pimped out, getting drugged up, selling drugs. Uh, again, was Terry Neely uh, into drugs? Maybe. I mean, he knew her.
0: I mean, yeah, but that still doesn't matter. Like just because matter. you're into drugs, like to have so much violence done on on the body. Now, was this something that she had done before or was this the, her first time?
1: Her first time. The first killer. Uh, And she, uh, in an interview, says that there's an order in prison of who's going to get killed. And first are uh, pedophiles. Mm -hmm. They get killed uh, most frequently in prison. Then snitches. And then cops who get locked up. She just comes off as very matter-of-fact Again, absolutely no remorse in any of these videos or interviews. Uh, the first interview is when she had just been sentenced to life in prison. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's definitely a great watch. And then they come back and they interview her again, I think, uh, in 2019. Uh, so that's 2009, 2019, they revisit her. And she's uh, scarier. The, the second time around because she had just been convicted, you know, like here, you were brought to yeah. jail. And now that she's had like all these years. So, you know, she's at um boy, you won't believe this. The prison facility she's in is uh oh gosh. Uh sorry, just to add to the list of torture, a tire iron. She was a tire iron to a tire iron to be him and uh slit his throat again he lived through all of this heinous crime i just uh, I,
0: I don't understand what could have precipitated so much rage on this person like i don't I mean rage. it seemed i know that she had mentioned i saw when people were like are you worried about going to prison and she was like well no it's like coming home like as you mentioned because my family's right. there but then at the same time um like then why would she be so scared about terry helling on them in regards to the armed robbery to precipitate so much violence on a human like that's the part i'm not understanding and of course like i did a you know i i tried to do a deep dive on her as well and there's just she just kind of didn't exist in the world until this crime so there's i like not many i mean i i scoured through through the journalists and i i didn't watch the documentary there is a documentary on um discovery investigates i think it's called Mm -hmm. um but even from then you know it was just like she had four kids like would they think with different men but maybe not she wouldn't really say nobody knows where the kids are
1: her hospitalization at 10 years old for mental illness, I think is absolutely key to all this because it sounds as though nothing was done about it. And she's a young person being, you know, hospitalized. She's away from her family. She's kind of like, who knows how she got, what that kind of, this could have just been a time bomb, you know, just waiting to go off, you know? Uh, but it's uh, this random person who she thinks is a snitch, uh, as I was going to say, she's later interviewed from the, I believe it's Maricopa County Jail, where Sergeant Pike says that she's the scariest inmate in the place, and she said that in two thousand ten. Uh, they definitely believe that she's a gang member, uh, and she said that she enjo- in the interview that she enjoyed the killing, and that she found it as rewarding work, and that she thought uh, Terry uh, would have snitched to people. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, which
0: is, I mean, it's fascinating because it's she has enough of a mind to try to give a reason for why she did right. it, which was yes. the snitching. So somewhere inside of her, she knows it's wrong because otherwise she'd be like, well, I had fun. I wanted to see what it would be like to torture right. somebody. Um, you know, cause there is definitely that's, um, what is it called uh the sadistic tendency where the killer gets off on the pain of the individual yeah. and so that's the reason why they tend to torture versus kill immediately mm-hmm. um there's a very specific term for that that i am not remembering right now um but
1: i uh <sighs> thrill kill i suppose well it's not even In a thrill kill way. i mean it
0: really is like i'm going to enjoy inflicting pain on you over the same period of time and it's always interesting because when we talk about and now granted she's not a serial killer she only uh killed one human which again is a horrible horrible thing in and of itself but um typically the the pathology of somebody like that is thats that is that like there's a reason typically mm-hmm. that they kill and for a lot of times women because there's there's not many women who are known as these types of killers obviously we've had the last 2 weeks of killers where the women yes. killed for money um and they did it with poison uh well actually one of them did the other one did it with a with a knife but i'm i'm sorry with a gun Gun, but they were like husbands or you know people that were close to them which i guess in this instance there is supposedly a relationship between the victim and um angela but at the same time and this is where the eileen warnos comes in Mm. where like she said she would have killed again if she had gotten the opportunity i saw yeah. from one of the interviews and she's like oh i wish i could kill some more snitches but it's yeah. interesting because like why snitch like what is it that makes her feel justified in doing that and maybe that's where that's gang.
1: i think that's the, it, the, the, the gang, the gang
0: uh the gang mentology of that's um, yeah. like, how dare you tell on us? But it's just, right. it's so over the top that I actually was reading a couple, and these were not journalists, but more like true crime aficionados that were saying um, that they thought that she was putting on a show so she could get um, infamous in a way. Yes. So she could get a yes. movie deal or she could get a book deal um and become like one of those you know female killers that we talk uh, about 100%. like we are today um to get to get some sort of financial stuff out of it which i think for me is like that could be absolutely the case but then at the same time why does it have to be a reason for a woman to kill for money whereas women like to inflict pain all the time too like that's not i don't think that's sex specific um women tend to do it in a very different way um but it sounds like she her home was not stable and from somewhere else i read that a lot of her siblings also had mental issues so was there a violent home like she also talked about pedophiles um and she tried to kind of put it off that he was a pedophile which there's absolutely no um uh what is it called evidence for that at all so it's almost like she's trying to um create a reason for herself when really maybe she just wanted to
1: inflict it's it's interesting because she both distances herself and then claim you know claims full responsibility. Uh incidentally she did plead not guilty to first degree murder. And then she was sentenced to life plus fourteen years. Is uh is it
0: because yeah. uh, the first degree is premeditated versus yeah,
1: because uh they added in the uh, armed robbery which I found which uh, is actually the same month like I as see. all going
0: on. I see I and see
1: when asked in that interview when she's first arrested uh They said, uh, well, what if he wasn't a snitch? She replies, oops, if he wasn't. I mean, so you're watching these things and you're like, okay, she's definitely hardcore. You know, she just doesn't care. There's no remorse. There's nothing. She's kind of proud. She smiles a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a whole thing about like there ought to be more like more killers. Oh, uh, she refers to him as white trash, uh, which is earlier when I mentioned how... Uh, race may have played a part in this.
0: Has she uh, seen her partner Cracker?
1: As far as I know, <laughs> there were not there were not an item though.
0: No, 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 I know that, but, like, if she's calling the victim white trash, but yet her, oh, yeah, yeah, her yeah. partner
1: oh, oh, is, yes. like, the, right. I mean, the, it's like, the, the
0: trashiest of white trash that like ever he, was.
1: Like, it's unbelievable. Which I
0: know that's a very derogatory term, but you guys go look at him, and uh, you know yeah. what, we'll post, uh, we'll post him on the Instagram and uh, see him in yeah. all his glory, but it's uh, definitely not a guy you'd want to meet in a... Yeah. Uh, in a, in a dark alleyway by any what stretch of the imagination. He, he, he looks mean. He looks mean, mean and like, yeah. Kind so of the white not, trash
1: right. is a racial motivation. And then when asked, uh, one of her responses is I wouldn't kill another black individual. So she owns a lot of responsibilities. She's completely honest, except when asked about her children in the first interview, when she's about to go to jail uh, and start about this term, when the interview was done and you can see this, she goes, are we good? Are we done? Big smile, just big smile on her face. She's like, make me look good. The guards putting her back in the end cups. They're like laughing. And it's really interesting because that's the whole time I'm watching like, Wow. She's really psychotic. Like she's just not blinking at all. This is, she's calm. And then when it ends, it's like, all right, like, how was that? Was it Cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, so and hence, that's maybe where some other true crime people are already being like, "Is this an act?" Is this an because act because of the fact that she wants that in, in what is it? Infamy? No, that's not the word. Infamy. <laughs> she, infamy. in infamy. Infamy. Yeah. She wants the yeah. infamy. Um, and maybe that's why it was so over the top. Um, but then when the cameras are off and when she's not getting the attention, she's like, "Cool, cool, okay." Did we do good? So it's almost like she is in her own little movie being like, this is going to be how a hardcore killer acts. Yeah. But then to be able to brutalize a human body like that. I mean, Jesus, how do you even know? Like, did she see that somewhere? Has she, had she witnessed something like that before? Like I can't stretch my imagination to, and I'm a crime writer. Like I, I can't, like I tend to do very heavy research because I, I mean, I'm a normal human being. I just don't have right. that kind of like, yeah, I just, it's, I just find it just
1: like explore their minds and explain and try and figure out how they would get to that point. But
0: why the teeth? I mean, just like, that's so specific. Uh, I mean,
1: torture is torture. I mean, it's a pre, it sounds like it was, it might've been all pre you know, pre premeditated. uh, Incidentally, she's become a Muslim. She joined the Muslim faith. Her, her second interview is completely not that. Like she never drops a guard, never is like, hey, was that, that was fun. Are we done? This, she's definitely more hardened uh, in the really? later interviews.
0: Now, did she actually and, get um, married in prison too? Did I read that correctly?
1: I believe that she wants to get married. I don't know if she's been asked yet. I don't know if she's engaged, but she definitely wants to be married, I guess. And I just want to throw this out there. Uh, there recently, I don't know how long ago, was a TikTok challenge where mm-hmm. kids and people were basically lip syncing Angela Simpson clips from her interviews, which is oh, pretty. Oh, come, that's... That's... come
0: on, come on, people like that's TikToking
1: just... lip syncing this.
0: Oh, that's awful uh,
1: words. It's awful.
0: That is awful. Um, that's I go,
1: I go get up
0: okay. Um, so everybody thank you guys so much that was the case of Angela Simpson and uh, see you back next week bye
1: <laughs> bye I'm so sorry but we're know, good. you're like wait a minute yeah
0: yeah, yeah we're good we're- This episode was sponsored by The Creek Killer, book one in the Harriet Harper thriller series written by me, Dominica Best. What would you do if you read The Police Found Your Body in a Creek? Find out in The Creek Killer available on Amazon. Thank you for joining me and listening to this episode. If you like my show, please give me a rating and review. It helps other listeners find this podcast. Follow Dominica Best Presents The Deviant Mind wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit TheBestStorytellingNetwork.com where you'll find show notes, my books, links to social media, and much more. Join my Patreon for special subscriber perks, like two extra exclusive episodes a month, and a Q&A with me at patreon.com forward slash The Deviant Mind Podcast. Until next time.